Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher. Good you don't have money in the stock market because it went down like 600 points. You heard about what happened. England has voted to Brexit. Brexit. Britain leaving the European Union. Now, you know what happened. The issue got hijacked by a bunch of anti-immigration isolationists who were obsessed with the idea that foreigners were stealing their jobs. Thank God something like that could never happen here. Oh, wait. No, the, uh, the finals, it's happened just late last night. The final tally is in from England. Uh, 48% voted for sense and sensibility. <laughs> 52% voted for pride and prejudice. So, <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, because I think as Americans, when we think of the British, we always just, the image that comes into our mind, we think of some refined, educated, charming accent played by Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> and then there's that other England, the soccer hooligan with three teeth, <laughs> who speaks English and you have no idea what one fucking word is. <laughs> True. <laughs> now, economists all over the world are saying this is a catastrophically stupid move. Uh, as evidence, they offer lots of data, lots of charts, and the fact that Trump is for it. <laughs> well, he is. Like he knows, they asked him about Brexit a couple of weeks ago. He thought it was a laxative. <laughs> he had no idea what they were talking about. He, he thought it was the name of one of Sarah Palin's kids. <laughs> But there actually was a lot of news this week. Did you see the House Democrats had a sit-in for gun control? A, a sit-in right on the House floor. It was adorable. <laughs> Next week, they're going to have a bake sale to pay off the deficit. <laughs> I mean, do we need any more proof how dysfunctional this Congress is when they're literally sitting on the floor like a toddler in the cereal aisle. <laughs> they said they were going to stay there until gun control passed or mom buys Pop-Tarts. Uh, no, <laughs> several of the House members were asked how long they were willing to keep their protest going by staying seated on the floor, and they said, till hell freezes over. Or one day. One day. They'll, I've waited longer for the cable guy. Are you fucking kidding me? Stop guns? They didn't even stop the cleaning crew from coming in and shampooing the rugs. 
Paul Ryan stood there in the speaker's chair at one point and scolded the Democrats on the decline of decorum. And then he went back to supporting the Republican presidential nominee, who once during this campaign made a speech with his line of stakes behind him. <laughs> the decorum. Yes, uh, <laughs> this is also the big news this week. Conservatives on the Supreme Court have ruled against President Obama's executive order protecting millions of illegal immigrants from deportation. Apparently, my gardener and I have to go back to don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> yeah. I love our judicial system. Stairway to heaven, settled law, but this is up in the air. But, you know, the Supreme Court ruling against President Obama, he took it like a man. Can you imagine President Trump? <laughs> well, I can't. Uh, if the Supreme Court ruled against him, he would be like, oh, well, we have this Puerto Rican judge, Sotomayor, a very nasty person. Puerto Ricans love me, but the Chiquita Banana Sotomayor, she doesn't like me. Oh... Very nasty person. And uh, Alina Kagan, cat lady Kagan. She doesn't like men, I'm hearing. A lot of people are saying it. She's very unfair to me because I have a penis, a huge, beautiful penis. <laughs> Nobody has a better penis than me, I will tell you that. But here's the good news. We found out <laughs> this week that Donald Trump's campaign is basically broke. They're sending out desperate fundraising letters. What, what happened to the self-funding billionaire? This campaign's so underwater, they found Dory. No, I'm not kidding. They have no cash on hand, very few employees, no organization, no ground game, and worst of it is, Christy ate all the steaks. <laughs> all right. They got a great show. Michael Steele, Paul Begala, Betsy Woodruff, and a little Abby speaking with Larry Wilmore from The Nightly Show. But first up, he is a musician, an environmental activist, and the youth director of the advocacy group Earth Guardians. <laughs> Shooters Cut. I hope I got that right. Martinez. <laughs> Judith Scott, did I get that close? Yeah, she said Scott. Okay. You tried, man. That's the important thing. I tried. You say it for me. Shootez Scott. Shootez Scott. There you go. Shootez Scott. Shootez Scott. There you go. Perfect. It's like you're shooing a cat. Exactly. Shootez Scott. Shootez Scott. <laughs> rid of that fucking cat out of here. <laughs> All right, and that is an Aztec name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were Aztec, half Aztec, right? So yeah, my father's side, my heritage is from Mexico City, yeah. Well, now, tell us about the Aztecs, because uh, I must admit, my knowledge of South American history is not as good as it should be. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, well, we were colonized a long time ago, so a lot of what we should know about ourselves is lost, but I carry on the tradition passed on by my grandfather and my ancestors, passed on to my father, given to me by my name, and through the traditions that but I've they, been following. But they see, uh, like, we always hear they're warriors. They, yeah. they seem very badass. Uh, <laughs> I would say so. No, for sure. I definitely consider myself a warrior, so. And a warrior, and you ever... 
And you're a warrior for a great cause, which is the environment. I mean, you're here because you've made a lot of news. First of all, you've made three speeches, right, at the UN? That's correct. Wow, yeah. that's three more than I've made. <laughs> uh, and they were all on the environment? Environment, climate change, my generation, all about right. that, yeah. Yeah, you're 16. Mm -hmm. I, you may be the youngest person on our show. Set in record, that's what's up. So, you, you, you have this lawsuit. Uh, tell us about the lawsuit. So myself and 20 other youth plaintiffs are coming together and working with an organization to actually work with our judicial system to say that they have, that the, the government has a right, that we have a right to a healthy atmosphere. And they are directly in violation of our public trust and of our constitutional right to a healthy atmosphere. You think atmosphere. they're not doing enough to help you breathe. Exactly. And you think breathing is part of your rights. I say it's pretty important, you know? Right. I mean, it's not specifically in the Constitution, but life, liberty, and life, the pursuit liberty of happiness. How, how could well. you have any of those if exactly. you don't have breathing rights? Well, climate change is the defining issue of our time. It's right. the defining issue I of always, our time. It connects I always every say other the problem. Thing. I always say the same thing. I say, there's every other issue, and then there's that issue. Because yeah. if you don't solve that issue, there are no other exactly. issues. And as an indigenous person, that was always part of their culture, right, was to, to take care of the earth. Well, yeah, I mean, if you look at before Europe came and kind of messed shit up over here, you know, <laughs> we were doing all right, living in balance with the world. And so I guess taking those principles and taking those understandings that were passed on to me and working with technology innovation and what this, you know, new generation, like my generation is more innovative and have more entrepreneurs than ever before. So we can really work together to build a new world by calling out our leaders and well, reminding them they're not doing the job that they're put here to do. But... <laughs> But let's not, uh, let's not pretend you are typical of your generation. Uh, how many of your generation would give up their iPhone? Um... <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna answer that. No, I mean... No, I mean, you, you know, it's not just teenagers. Yeah. I mean, people in their 20s don't, yeah, don't vote as much as they should. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a part of youth. I mean, you have too many hormones. It, it's... <laughs> no. Too many hormones, and you can get fucked up too easily without it hurting you. Yeah. Those... I... <laughs> I know from wherever I speak. Yeah. Yeah, because well, I think... Well, I mean, part of that, too, is that, sh like, we're young, and technology has pulled our attention away from the world in a lot of ways because... Right. Our generation is being bombarded with media that's showing us that it's over. You know, climate change is the greatest issue of our time. We have politicians that aren't supporting, you know, our survival. And there's so many problems all over the world. Everywhere we look, there's more crises. And there's no way for our voices to be used to create solutions. So young people are searching for that. There's no outlet for us to engage in a world that is stacked against us. We're dis systemically disempowered from the time that we're born. So this generation, what I've seen personally, traveling around the world, and talking to more and more of my generation is that young people are ready to use their art, their poetry, their passion, their music to engage with the world and be leaders today. Because, you know, sure, we're a future generation, but we're here now, and we're not going to wait to make a difference. This is our world. Well... <laughs> it's all very feel-good here in the moment, but, you know, again, you're speaking for, like, 2%. Okay, the question is, how do you reach those other people? Mm -hmm. Those other people who are just, like, they, I mean, I talk to young people all the time, and they're like, well, I, the only news I get is what someone posts on my Facebook page. 
They don't know about global warming because they don't read about it, because mm -hmm. it's just not part of their existence. How do you reach those people? I know you're a musician. Yeah. Is that it? Exactly. Well, so part of it is, is mainstream media, art, and music, things that young people can relate to, because if there's like a climate scientist in his 60s addressing a school classroom, no, ever, I'm going to be asleep. I will be asleep, you know? So nobody Well, that, let's just, just say that's fucking wrong right yeah, now. Yeah, of course. I agree. I'm 60. That's ageism. I thought you were cool, dude. No, man. It's intergenerational. It's intergenerational. Wait, wait. No, no, no. You just said if there's somebody in their 60s, you don't even pay attention. I said that if Maybe you should learn something here, brother. Well, maybe I will. All right. Uh, but, yeah. We came to an agreement. It's all good. That's right. I, you know, usually uh, indigenous peoples are cool about, like, respecting elders, mm -hmm. you know, because we've been here longer, so we know shit. Dude, you didn't let me finish. You didn't let me finish. I think it's part of it is that to get other young people engaged, they have to see that there's young people actually doing something in the world. And in mainstream media, we're not portrayed as leaders. We're not portrayed as leaders. We're portrayed as, you know, young people that are breaking the law and just wasting time. So if we begin to tell the stories of the millions of young people in the world that are doing incredible things and collaborate with, you know, our elders and, and the older people in society that are leading the way and have the wisdom and the knowledge that we need, we're going to create such an amazing future if we take that potential that we have and our elders and collaborate. Right. We got to... Right. That energy and idealism with the knowledge. Yeah, there you go. And uh, one last thing. I think this is really interesting. Your goal is not just about the environment specifically. It's about changing the way we live, mm -hmm. our lifestyles. Too much materialism, right? Mm -hmm. Too much stuff. Yeah. You don't have a lot of stuff. Well, I think the, the, the system is built so Got that a nice we have suit. a lot of suit. Yep. Dude, I will never be able to afford a suit this nice. But <laughs> Really? Where'd you get that suit? A, a gift from a friend. Aww. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> but no, man, I think... That's right. Leave Melania out of it. A lot of people... <laughs> a lot of people don't look at the world in a way that we value it. You know, we have a, a, a disconnection to the planet, to ourselves, and to each other. And a lot of people won't care where we get our energy as long as we can still have the lights on as long as we can and right. drive our cars as much as we can. They don't care if it's a Prius or not. But you we know, gotta reduce, right? We, got, exactly. we gotta stop thinking in terms of big mansions exactly. and more and more. And we're, we're all kind of hoarders, aren't we? Well, and it's about, it's not even just about like, oh, let's protect the environment. No, not a lot of people, there's a lot of people in the world that don't care about the environment. But people care about their kids, about their grandchildren, about their legacy that they're gonna leave behind. That's sure. what's at stake. That's what's at stake, is the, is the kind of world my generation is going to be left with. That's what I'm fighting to protect. That's what my message is all about. And I, that's why people got to listen. I am more optimistic for meeting you. I really appreciate, appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, we hope to have you back until I'm 80. All right, let's meet our panel. All right. Yeah, when I'm 80, he'll be 36. How depressing is that? I know. All right, he's a survivor of the Clinton War Room, a CNN contributor, and an affiliated professor of public policy at Georgetown University. Paul Begala! There he is. Okay, she reports politics for the Daily Beast. Please welcome Betsy Woodruff. Hey, Betsy, how you doing? And he was the chairman of the Republican National Committee. What? Yeah. Oh, he's, he's one of the good ones. But now, is no doubt having more fun co-hosting Sirius XM, Steel and Unger. Please welcome Michael Steele over here. Be back. Remember to send us your questions for tonight's overtime so we can answer them after the show on YouTube. And remember to watch our convention coverage. We're on three nights during the conventions for the Republicans and the Democrats. 
and July, <laughs> Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, because they're going to be throwing chairs at your convention. Yeah, oh. they will. Yeah, they will. <laughs> I tell people bring the popcorn and the flag jacket. Oh, yeah, that's right. All right, One so let's. Nancy Youssef, who has literally covered the Arab Spring in Egypt, was in our Slack channel the other day and said, I'm serious about this. If anyone needs a flak jacket or a helmet that I was wearing covering this stuff, I'm happy to lend it to you, you all. Go. So if anyone cool. needs one, I'm, I'm going to be there. A friend with the Daily I've never been to a riot before, so I'm, I'm going to be in Cleveland. <laughs> oh, that's going to be your convention, right? <laughs> Could be. No. Oh, Our Bernie, co- baby, come on. Oh, yeah, maybe. Oh, all right. Well, Democrats. that's why we're covering we're both conventions. Fights. Yeah, come on. All right. Well, hey, shut up. <laughs> we have important issues to talk about. Brexit. Oh, my God. It's been bothering me all day. Not really. Um, you know, for those who don't follow such issues, let me just say, this is not really new. There's been a dream of a united Europe for about a century, right? Uh, in 1957, when I was one there, my friend, one years old, the common market. That was the, the ancestor of that, right? And then we had the European Union. It's a way to unite the European countries. Some people say it'll never work. What does someone in Iceland have in common with somebody in Albania? There's always been this tension. Uh, and with globalization, of course, there's always winners and losers. Now, it was good for people, 27 different, 28, well, now 27 in the European Union, if you were a uh, a Polish engineer in Krakow, you could move to Manchester, England, and work. No passports, no borders. Okay. What they're saying today, <laughs> interestingly enough, is for us Americans, what's, what matters is that this is sort of a harbinger for Donald Trump because they didn't think this was going to pass. This is the same issues that Trump is talking about. You know, we're getting screwed on trade, too many immigrants, and uh, they underestimated Trump, they underestimated this, what do you think? I think definitely. Ray Finch is the UKIP member of Parliament in the European Union Parliament. And yesterday he was on CNN and made the argument against immigration that's almost verbatim of what Donald Trump and Jeff Sessions say, which is we don't hate immigrants. However, if you bring in lots of low-skill workers, it drives wages down. So big corporations want that to happen because it increases their profit margin. That word for word is the case that immigration restrictionists in the U.S. make. It's the identical argument. It works on both sides of the pond. It's a, it's a matter of expectations, too. And, and that's something that, you know, a lot of people are talking about, well, you know, Donald Trump, you know, is taking advantage of this. Well, this has been brewing in Europe for quite some time. What Donald Trump did was recognize it and brought it here. And it's that, it's that connection between the anxiety that families and, and, and middle-class workers across Europe have, coupled with what you see happening here in the United States. And in the U.S., as in Europe, it's led to certain types of movements, whether it's, it's the, kind of a new Tea Party or right? Move On or whatever, yeah. It's like a right-wing populism. I mean, it is. Here in it America... Is. It's, it's, it's a conservative populism pe- that... People love their entitlements and hate Mexicans. Well, it's... it's what, it, what it is, it's basically white folks concerned about the integration yeah. into their communities and, and the migration of people of color from, from the African continent into, into Europe and from around the world here to the U.S., That said, to kind of hijack the narrative a little bit, New Yorker had a piece about Jeremy Corbyn, who's the leader of the Labour Party in Europe, in the the UK, and they quoted one of his associates of 40 years saying that Corbyn, who's a very leftist politician, probably secretly supported the Leave effort because it kind of messes up, it messes up these coalitions, right? It's not not the same way that 22% of Bernie voters say they're going to vote for Trump. People are complicated or something. Well, politics is complicated right now. I doubt that's going to come true. But a much higher percentage of Hillary voters said they would never vote for Obama, and they all did. 
Okay, it, because Senator yeah, but Obama, Obama did his burning, job. That's the di that, that's a different type of voter. But, but once, but just like you know, here the young people didn't show up that much in Britain, and right. if they don't show up here, welcome President Clown Meat. No, that's look, that's absolutely true. In Britain, the line was right at age fifty. Everybody younger than 50 voted to stay. Everybody over, the, over 50 voted to leave. And the older you were, the more polarized it was. Under 25, 75% of Britons under 25 wants, want to stay. And like 75% of those over 65 and 70 wanted to leave. So there's a, there's a generational war there as well as, as a class war. But not to make everything about Donald Trump, but, <laughs> you know, uh, since this is about money and the pound just took a poundage, I mean, these people inflicted a, a wound on themselves that they're not going to get over for quite a while. Okay, I seem to remember Donald Trump saying we could default on Treasury bills. Where do you think the world went today? Treasury yeah, bills. Because they're exactly safe. Where they went. Donald Trump said this week, uh, he, he was asked, how would you renegotiate the debt, our debt? You go back and you say, hey, guess what? The economy just crashed. I'm going to give you back half. I guess my question to you, Michael, is... <laughs> What is the bridge too far? What, what is the point at which you say, okay, my country before my nominee? Well, I think that's, I think that's an individual judgment that you're seeing and hearing a lot of Republicans make uh, across the country and certainly within the party. What's yours? Well, you know, I, look, I, I'm straight up. I'm, I'm a party guy. I was, I was a national chairman. I was a county chairman. I was a state chairman. So there's um, no bridge too no, far? No, no, no. There is. There is a bridge too far. And, and what I want to see, and I've been very clear about this from the very beginning, I want to see Donald, Donald Trump make the kinds of steps, and I know he won't. He's a 70-year-old man, so this idea that he's going to change, it's just not in the cards. More ages. So, so, sorry. Oh, but, yeah. but he's not. He hasn't, changed, he hasn't changed his hairstyle <laughs> in 35 right. years. He's not going to change his campaign style. But here's, here's, campaign. The, here's the rub. I philosophically cannot, cannot sit there and go, oh, well, because I'm so pissed off and can't stand Donald Trump that I'm just going to fall in love with Hillary Clinton. That's well, just that, not where I am. It's so, not about Donald Trump. It's about the policies he represents. It's about, it's exactly. L exactly. L Lindsey Graham said there'll come a time when the love of country will trump hatred of Hillary. I feel like this election... And that may be it, where we it, head. That may be where we head. I feel like we're, it's a referendum on decency at this point. That's, this that, is an indecent man. That, and, but, but it's not just... What, but it's not, Bill, Bill, it's not just about... I mean, you make the point. It's not just about Donald Trump and the indecency that you may see in him. It's about the process as well. It's about the indecent process. That's, that's also what's a big driver for a lot of folks out there. They feel left behind. They feel spat upon. They feel neglected. They feel cheated. I mean, you look at wages, you look at income, you look at that's, opportunities. I mean, they, for, for a lot of Americans, it's all put together. Really it's all, it's, you, you cannot separate but, the individual characteristics out that easily. That's, that's all I'm a, saying. That's a bullshit argument. It's not a bullshit it argument. Is. The, well, this is the... Don't talk to folks. This is the, yes, Donald Trump is a horrible ass clown, but he raises a good point. Okay, yeah. uh, look, all I can give you, Bill, is at the beginning of this campaign cycle, there was the focus group that was done, and you probably saw it, Paul, up in New Hampshire. And you had a working mom of two kids, single mother, right? And they're asking her about Donald Trump. And what was her response? He's one of us. He's just like me. 
Now, so you have to try to figure out, and that's a legitimate answer from a, a white female in her 30s with two kids in New Hampshire. Not a reassuring one. But I'm just... Yeah, it may not be... Exactly. It may not be He's just like me. You. He's tweeting bullshit at 3 in the morning. But, Bill, you... That's... You're not taking the time to try to figure out, okay, so what is it that you're seeing and hearing from him that makes you think that and understand him but that that's way? that's a different issue than voting for someone who wants to deport 11 million people, who wants to ban all Muslims, Who's for torture? Who's for birtherism? So how do you answer? How do you answer, Bill? How do you answer the poll that that came out uh, during the middle of the primary? Uh, The question was asked: Is Islam compatible with the values of America? How many Americans answered that question? Uh, in in the negative. I'm the one who answers that question honestly. And 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 it was 56 percent of Americans said. Islam was not compatible with America. It is the same person who's looking at Donald Trump and saying he's one of us. So you've got you've got to figure out how. But the answer isn't to, to ban all Muslims. No, it's not the, the same answer. people who honored Muhammad Ali when he passed away as Absolutely. an American icon, and he was an American icon and an American Muslim. Yeah. I, um, I, I, no, I, 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 I get what you're saying. Yeah, but. I'm, but, just, I'm trying to understand... What does that have to do with 1.5 billion Muslims in the world, yeah, Because it's, it's bizarre and stupid to try to ban every Muslim I agree. coming to America. It's insane but it's and not it's wrong. Racist. But his point was also not wrong. I mean, I hear a lot of talk today about xenophobia. Yeah. And is it really phobia if you have something to be afraid of? 52% of British Muslims think being gay should be illegal. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that would what, make what, you What percentage nervous? of American Republicans believe that? Can we deport them? <laughs> Uh, not just American Republicans. Not many. Shoot. Not many. They think it should be illegal? Sure. Le- no, no, no I don't. Come that's on, bullshit, come on, Paul. Paul. That's we'll go check it. Paul, you know stop what? It. Stop it. <laughs> stop it. That's just that's stop, stop it. it. It First was all, illegal they, until a few years ago. There certainly is a hard right wing in this yeah. country. But they have no power. It's a lot different. What? What? Do you really think if, if uh, America had... Muslimized ghettos, Muslimized, that's not the right word, no. uh, radicalized ghettos of Muslims like London and Brussels right. and, and Paris, yep. uh, where a woman who would walk down the street in a short skirt would be hassled because it was anti-Islamic. Do you, what, what would Americans do if that happened in this country? We, ha- we would not put up with it. We're a pluralistic society. Exactly. We have exactly. Muslims here, and I, right. don't, I really don't know and, Britain. And I don't know other, France, but, but the they're other, integrated here very wonderfully. They the really other, are. The other important you can read thing about here is, <laughs> No, the other important thing is that there is significant evidence that when Muslims immigrate to the United States, they assimilate better in this country. Uh, way better. Yeah, and, that, and that's a good thing, and I think people miss that. And a lot of the fear of foreigners but, coming here is that we have this myth that when they move to the United States, it's going to be a horrible disaster and everything. It's going to be ghettoized and it's a nightmare. But that's America. We've been successfully it's, assimilating have, immigrants for forever. Could, can we all agree on this? Because even the people... Even the people who fight me on this issue usually agree Islam needs a reformation. Do we all agree on Sir, that? I agree. Yes. Needs a, yeah. like, 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 we, like the Christian world had in the 1400s, yeah. okay, 50, whatever it was. Okay, an enlightenment, a reformation. What is mostly stopping that is that I agree. There are a lot of mo- moderate Muslims in the world. They are afraid to speak yeah, out because, because of violent intimidation. Right. Not but that's, okay, not and every time somebody says Islamophobia, 
it gives the people who are intimidating cover. No, no, no but no, and every time we bash Muslims as an entire religion, it empowers the fanatics, not the moderates. Because in the fanatics can say, look, all the but Americans hate you, all the Christians said, hate you. That said, the fanatics are going to find ways to empower themselves well, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, the, the I mean, look, are we, if we're, if we're going to say you can't mention this or you can't say this right. because it's useful to radical Islamists, I mean, look, are we going to redact everything Bill Clinton did in 1996? Because that ends up in ISIS propaganda. I, mean, I, just think it's, I just think it's silly to say, oh, this is helpful to radical but, Muslims, but we can't say it. The all. Reformation point, I think, is an important one. And where that really has to begin is within the Muslim community itself. And, and, and you talk to a lot of folks, and, and Bill, you, you touched on it. There is an inherent fear because they don't want to be the target. They don't want to have their families, uh, you know, subjected to that kind of aggression within the community. So they stay silent. So what my argument is, how can we all help them elevate the argument within the community? Right. And, and, By and, defeating Donald Trump. That well, would be a good that, first that's, step. That's, because what he is doing is Donald Trump than defeating the idea that we're going to block, uh, you know, Muslims from coming yeah, to the country. At the same time, though, we also need to be reality-based and understand that the United States has a different immigration situation Absolutely. than Europe totally. does. And you can't Very just different. transplant it and be like, oh, Europe has a problem, therefore America has a problem. Light your hair on fire. Right. It's silly. Okay. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> Let me go to something lighter. <laughs> uh, we noticed here at Real Time that, uh, and it's sort of uh, apropos to the discussion, that the Internet does not just radicalize uh, would-be terrorists. It radicalizes everybody. There is something about social media that makes people incredible assholes in a way they never no. would be in person. Uh, look at this tweet. This is somebody during the NBA Finals tweeting <laughs> Steph Curry's oh. three-year-old Fuck your whole family. That's so typical. That's not, out, that's not an outlier on the Internet. And just to show that this could happen to anybody, uh, we noticed that three months ago the Keebler Elves got a Twitter account. <laughs> and, like, here's Ernie's first tweet. Do I call this a selfie or an elfie? You see, it's a... I want to hashtag these fudge stripes. Which one of these is a hashtag? It was all so innocent. Three weeks later, look at some of the tweets from this guy. Lucky Charms. Want something really magically delicious? You mick bastard, eat my dick. <laughs> oh my God. At Kool Aid Man, try using the door sometime, asshole. <laughs> At Pope Francis, at least my big dumb hat gets me pussy. <laughs> if I ever catch a Girl Scout outside my tree, I'll cut a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Our cookies don't cost an arm and a leg, but they're going to cost Chris Christie a foot. <laughs> the secret ingredient to our cookies? Love. Hashtag I jerk off on them. <laughs> that explains the swirls. <laughs> oh. I told you he was one of the good ones. <laughs> At Lamisil Mascot, are you supposed to be toe fungus? You look like a sea monkey had a crack baby. <laughs> At Lindsey Graham, why do I get the feeling you handle more nuts than I do? <laughs> Telling you, the internet. Slogan should be, nobody doesn't lick Sarah Lee. That little Debbie knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> At Little Debbie, stop using that old photo. You're 52 years old, bitch. Deal with it. <laughs> All right. He is a comedian and host of Comedy Central's oh The God. Nightly Show. Larry Wilmore is over here. Larry Wilmore. Larry. Oh, How are you? Pal, great to meet you. Man, man, 
everybody. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank now, you. Nice to be Wait, Bill, I have to say, before we get started... Uh, before we get started. Before we get started. I, I love just, a guest who does this. Yes, yes, because I have to say this, because, you know, I have my own show now. And, <laughs> you know, I get asked all these questions about influence and everything, and I always felt that you never got your due props for starting late-night political talk and making it cool. And I just want to say... Thank you. This guy, I don't want to get all Sammy Mott. No, no, you. <laughs> that's very true. No, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be Ryan. And I don't get the props for still being the best. There you anyway, here's oh. the thing, Larry. I love the <laughs> um, Do you care about Brexit, Larry? I love Brexit. Brexit. I have Brexit every morning, actually. <laughs> <laughs> brothers, see, when brothers Brexit, Bill. Um, you know what? I think most Americans don't know what the fuck Brexit I don't, is. I, they don't we care. Didn't until a few weeks yeah, ago. And now no. they're trying to say, oh, I mean, there might be a Brexit. Right. Really? There's going to be a Brexit? Now well, here? it's also so Eurocentric. I was yeah. thinking, talking to my young half Aztec friend there at the yeah. beginning of the show. <laughs> yes, I saw it. And yeah. I was saying, I don't, I don't yeah. really know my South American history like I should because when I was in school, and yeah. we're roughly the same age, um, same generation, same right? Gen Okay, of, yeah. you're mid fifties. Yeah, fifty four. All right, you're old, Larry. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't don't try to make a difference. Black there. don't crack, though. That's the difference. Yeah. Well, not yeah. black does crack. It just cracks more slowly. Yeah. No one no one is confusing yeah. this Jane Pittman with Ciara. That's true. And and black in the history of crack is not a fun thing. You know? No, no. That's, we can do the black yeah, crack no, thing all night. <laughs> Come on, man. Let's do it. Well, what I was going to ask you was, yes. like, when I was in school, it was mm -hmm. very Eurocentric, the, yes. the history they taught us. And I, when you did the, uh, mm -hmm. the correspondence dinner, which we'll talk about in a minute, mm -hmm. you were very eloquent at the end. And you well, said you. to the president, you know, when I was growing up, sure. people wouldn't even imagine a black man being a quarterback. That's true. I was not making that up. No, of course. Yeah. I remember that. Yes, yes absolutely. When it was a controversy. So, what did you did that cross your mind as a kid that you mm -hmm. like? I remember in school the only time Africa came up is when yes. Vasco da Gama sailed around it. Yes, when someone was avoiding it. When yes. some, right? Exactly. <laughs> yes, they were avoiding. Yeah, and like, and even and even as black people, we've had a difficult relationship with Africa. Even when we tried to get Afrocentric, that didn't last too long because, like, I think of Africa, <laughs> I think hot and yeah. brothers who speak. French, which I don't believe is in God's plan, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and more, things right. that might eat me. You know? Right. Yeah. But everything was was Eurocentric, I guess you could say. I mean, that's your education. But um, I've always felt that. But that's oh, not fair. Well, it kind of that's the world that you were in. We didn't even think about it as being fair. We then. didn't. We're even, in a completely right. different right. world in how we view everything. Today. Right. You know, and so there's a different context for everything. And Obama has been a game changer. And a lot of that too. Oh, of I think. course. Yeah. But yeah, just, I, as, I noticed, just as example, and that's what I was trying to get to. Right. I noticed when uh, during your 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 uh, routine at the uh, correspondence dinner, mm -hmm. the two things that you were poking him with yes. were not closing Gitmo. That's right. Yeah. And drones. Yeah. Uh, drone strikes. Now, yeah. do you think he's really uh, wrong about those issues, or was that just... He had uh, no intention of closing Gitmo. Let's be honest about that. I Come disagree on. strongly. I don't think so. Or he Congress, didn't... that was Congress who didn't... Yeah, but I, I, when he was running, he ran to the left of Hillary Clinton. Like, right. the whole vote thing, Hillary had to vote for the war. She had no choice. And I thought she should have owned that vote, Bill, because she was a freshman senator. Think about this. She was a freshman senator from New York. Where the World Trade Center event happened... Sure. It's a year after. What is she supposed to do? You know, have a no right. vote in that situation? And, and they're going to say, oh, the woman wouldn't and vote for force. And people so forget, it was not a vote to go to war. <clears throat> Correct. It was a vote to give Bush right. a badge and a gun, and that yes. idiot fired it Yeah, off. we didn't know the sheriff would go all, you know, right. all crazy on everybody. Okay. Right. 
Yeah, but uh, but Obama's very smart. He ran to the left of Hillary. He didn't have to vote on the war, you know. And uh, and I think Gitmo was one of those positions. People may disagree with me, but I I think when you become president, you get in there and say, oh, shit, I can't close Gitmo. What the fuck was I thinking, you know? (laughs) And that's what happened. And how about the drones? Because I I noticed last week after the Mm -hmm. the Orlando shooting, uh, Donald Trump's made his comments, and then Obama came back and, and, and said, you know, Donald Trump's rhetoric, you know, this is what's stirring up the Rhetoric. radical Muslims. Yeah. And I thought, maybe the drone strikes, too. Maybe a little more drone strikes yeah. than words. Yeah, well, Not that I'm against drone strikes, necessarily, but let's get real about what's really making people mad. No, it's true. I mean, no, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's definitely... It's definitely problematic. And if you're on the left and you've been silent about that, that's something that I can understand, because you talk about due process and just indiscriminate killing and how many innocent people who aren't even engaged in war and all of a sudden, what the fuck, there's a bomb next door? Are we in a war? What's going on? I mean, that's crazy. And as you say, sure, if you're killing people who deserve to be killed, I guess, um, who determines that? I don't know. Um, (laughs) We just have to take all this on trust and... You know, our government right. hasn't had a good record. It's not an issue. There's no great answer. Hasn't had a good record so, in, uh, with the, in that trust department. So you know that people. no matter what you do in this life, Larry, you yes. could cure, cure cancer. <laughs> you could be the, the space tourist who goes to Mars. Hmm. Your obituary will say, the dude who called the president the N-word. Um, I didn't call him the N-word. I called him my nigga. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. <but> I, <laughs> There's a difference. There's a difference. Yeah. If I had said, uh, if this, I had said, yo, it's my not a difference to yeah. white people because I don't see <laughs> yes, either one. Exactly. Right. So no buyer's remorse. No, absolutely not. Okay. You have to own well, it. Just because people made a controversy of it. I, I loved it, but... Yes, no, you have to own it as a comedian. You right, have to own sure. everything that you do. And that was a special moment, you know? That was, that was like a black private moment in front of white people. Right? <laughs> oh, man. And people were like, oh, my God. Wait, black people talk differently when we're not around? How the fuck? When did that happen? <laughs> you know? And Obama knew it, because if you saw his, uh, his nonverbal communication, which is sure. always key, he immediately did this. He didn't right. do this. What? No, no, no. He, right. he had you, your back. Which you needed nice. to look at Michelle. She had yeah. a different look Michelle on her face. Michelle doesn't like it. That's <laughs> what, true. What was her Michelle. look? Her look was not yeah. appreciative. No. Well, I she, had dinner with the first lady. She was, she was very cool. Yeah. She was, uh, uh, okay, well, we'll have, to, we'll have to check on that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so uh, let's get to that other big issue that happened this week, was the, the sit-in that the Democrats did. Um, uh, do you have a gun, Larry? I do not. I do not have a gun. Would you like one? Because I've got several. Of them. <laughs> um, and I thought it was so typical of the paralysis in our government that Louis Gohmert uh, got up there at one mm-hmm. point and he was screaming, radical Islam, radical Islam, to the people who were trying to pass a bill to stop radical Islam. Because the bill that they were talking about was no fly, no buy. People on the no fly list don't get to buy a gun. But you shouldn't make fun of the mentally challenged. And Louie is a dope. <laughs> he's an idiot. Right. And, uh, no, he's a first class idiot. He's from my state of Texas. Uh, and he's just, he's just a fool and, and, and an idiot. But what they're trying to do is pretty common sense. Okay, we have these terror watch lists. If you're on that list, you shouldn't be able to buy a gun. Pretty simple. Yeah, but it's not... That's you can't John, get on an airplane. But John Lewis was on the no-fly list, for goodness right. sake. You know, it's very problematic One, when the government starts making lists and says, no, motherfucker, you can't do this right. and you can't do that. That's very problematic. But Once you're on a list... I, I bought a sex toy 15 years ago. I still get the catalog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
That's what I'm talking about. It's very That's hard what I'm talking to get about. Thank you. Also, like, like try getting remember, off of that list. Let's remember, it's really easy to be chill about the no-fly list when your name sounds like you're a character on the Brady Bunch. When the reality right. is that for Arab Americans, for Muslims, for folks right. from South Asia, like getting on the no-fly list first, you might not know. You might not find out until you show up at the airport, right? right? That's right. And then no, second, you're gonna legitimize these secret lists as a way of doing law enforcement. But I think that's it doesn't I mean think we this do is nothing. as simple as like it doesn't mean we do nothing. We can make the list more transparent. We can give people more redress, but we can't just sit here and let somebody who's on a terrorist watch list buy a gun and go into Orlando no. nightclub and shoot no, it we up. Of course, right. Right. And, and, it says, and it says a lot about it's how, right. how, I mean, I saw David Cameron today. You know, I'm up at 2 in the morning when this all happens. I watched his whole speech, and it's like, well, I lost the vote. I graciously leave office. It's like their system works so beautifully. We can't even get a vote on yeah. something that 90% of Americans yeah. agree on and can't get a vote. Our system sucks. <laughs> really does. No, it, Constitution it needs a page one rewrite. To be but, fair, but, if they voted, it wouldn't have passed. But yeah, I mean, if, if they voted on the bill, it wouldn't have passed. That it, sucks, it, too. It, it does. It that does. doesn't but, reflect the people. But here, and there's me, a distinction yes between me, a terrorist watch list and a no-fly list. For me, yes. it's a terrorist watch list, and we're talking no-fly list. There, there, there's several different, different lists that the, that the bill conflates. Maybe you need right. to disaggregate them and look them differently. It's right. not perfect. It's not, but yeah. nothing in life is. Well, it doesn't mean we should The thing about it is, at this point, when you do have an issue, and it still is a 90-10 issue in this country when it comes to guns, even ardent gun owners want the Congress to do something, to begin to turn the conversation around. And you have four bills in the Senate that went down. You don't have anything in the House. And the country looks at this and this goes back to the beginning of our conversation. And you wonder why people are pissed off. And you wonder why people are looking at leadership and going to hell with you. Because you can't even deal with the basics. When you have 20 school kids die in Sandy Hook, and that was a turning point for me on this issue. Don't cry me a river. Don't sit on the damn floor of the Congress but, now, hey. four or five years later, singing We Shall Overcome, when in Chicago, just a couple of years ago, 560 right. young black men and women were killed, and there was not one song for, and it was for not them, with and there was not one protest for them. So don't start this all of a sudden we're concerned about guns. But that's and not true. There, there actually were many protests. There not just, in our Congress. There were No, but there, there were many protests, and there were many tears cried for them. They just weren't covered on the news. But, but also, that's true. The, the, the problem is not... I don't blame, and I, I'm not, obviously I'm a professional Democrat. I don't blame the Republicans. Right, right. I don't blame the NRA. I blame the American people. I helped Bill Clinton pass a Brady bill. The next election, we lost 56 House seats. And by one analysis, 19 of them were only because of gun control. Okay, 19 people lost their careers to pass the Brady bill. I'll give you... 20. How many lost their Wait. seats after Sandy Hook? Wait. Zero. The Republicans won a landslide after they killed President Obama's Sandy Hook gun control bill. That's the fault of the American people for voting these clowns back in. I'll I'm give sorry. you a 20th, though. Al Gore, uh -huh. in 2000, may have lost the presidency because of the gun issue. Al Gore in 2000 it's, lost his home state of Tennessee. He, he, he did. I mean, that was probably because of guns. But... Let me ask this question about guns. Does it really matter if we are banning certain guns? Because I see that the liberals, they talk about guns. Now, I'm not a gun expert, but I see a lot of people talking about guns who don't know shit about guns. I know right. a little bit. It's like when the Pope talks about vaginas. <laughs> you know? And that's when the conservatives stop listening. Like, I know a lot of them think that AR-15, AR stands for assault rifle, it doesn't. And it's not an assault rifle. It's not an automatic weapon. Those are illegal. There are a lot of weapons that are not even talking about banning that basically do the same thing as an AR-15 because you have to squeeze each round. It's not squeeze it. That's what they had in Paris.
by the way. Yeah, those are all guns that no one's talking about making illegal that basically would do the same thing as the rifle. It's just longer. Not to mention those are the guns that were used in the Virginia Tech shooting, of which course. I believe was the largest mass shooting until the Orlando shooting happened. It's very easy to p put up pictures of AR-15s and say, look at this gun, it's scary, it's mm -hmm. ugly, no one should be allowed to have this killing machine. But the reality is that they're used to commit just a teensy, tiny fraction Correct. of, of and also mass shootings. The Washington Post says in 2015, 39 deaths from math, mass shootings. Now, of course, we should say any death is too many, blah, blah, blah. But let's get real. Uh, a lot of this is a little bit elitist well, and a little bit racist, okay, I, like I you have... were starting to say. It's like when, when shootings happen to white people in nice places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think yep. the, that's the black. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's the. the uh, I don't think yeah, white Paul people can got... make that sound. I, what, what I got is I think you should focus on the purchasers more and the weapons less. I, I have a, a lot of guns. I'm a lifelong hunter and I hunt and I love it and I shoot and I Ugh. have a rifle range. I love guns. I'm very pro gun. But when you focus on yeah, that's keeping I... the hand, guns out of the hands of felons, keeping them out of the hands of people who are on a reasonably constructed terrorist watch list, domestic abusers. That when we passed the Brady Bill, the NRA said, oh, all life would end. And guys like me who are hunters could never get a gun. Well, we can, but 2.6 million felons have been stopped from buying a gun because of the Brady Bill. Now, President Obama only right. wants to expand that a little bit and expand the background checks just a little bit. And the NRA is, is just screaming right. like we're taking away no, the Second that, Amendment. That, is, is, that is legislation we should absolutely get. And I can't even get a vote on but, it. But, but, you know, I got to say... When I hear someone from the supposed anti-gun party say what you just said, that's when I stop listening. When it starts from the Democrats with, well, I'm a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. <laughs> I like hunting. I like I, guns. I, I don't like killing people with them. Well, though. I think we, uh. guns are designed to kill something. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> they're not well, designed they're, to scare. You can't, put a, you can't put a gun on stun. You know, right. unless you have a stun gun. But, right. the, but I think we need to take the glorification of guns out of the hands of the American psyche. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. A big that's, I agree with that. That's, that's a, a question. That's, that's a, a question for LA. Right. So for let me ask a political question before we run out of time. I mean, last week I was ready to pronounce Donald Trump pretty much over, mm -hmm. and I see now he's he's basically tied with Hillary yep. in Ohio and Pennsylvania. How, we just cannot kill this monster. No. Nope. Every nope. time I think this monster is Terminator. Dead, it, to be fair, the polls that show them tied in Ohio and Pennsylvania are from Quinnipiac, which is not a great pollster, had a very bad record during the but primaries. Why is he so, even, like, you know, people but why is he it. even close? If he has no money, he's broke, she's buying all the advertising, she's got all the organization, because she's they, got all the people, he's a fucking how, nut. How come, <laughs> how come it's this close? I would direct that question to our Clinton supporter friend here's, as to why she's not doing better. Here's why. First off, Trump has consolidated the right. And Paul Ryan, a few other whiners, if you look at the polling, He's consolidated the right. Hillary still has to consolidate the left. Bernie's still out there. He's still he's not really running, but that's a job that he's Hillary running. and Bernie are going to work on. She has to consolidate the left to get her base uh, together. But in these swing states, in, in the Rust Belt states, Ohio and Pennsylvania, you talked about, and some of the others across the, the Midwest, you have a disproportionately high number of high school educated white people. Okay, that's his base. And so in places where they're higher, he's going to do better. He's, he's getting killed in Florida, even in the Quinnipiac poll because it's a more diverse state. But he ha this, if people think this thing is over, they're nuts. Our, our pack not, today, I hear it all the time. Hillary's got it in the bag. She, no. She 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 in the shopping cart. Only thing she has in the bag is hot sauce. And look yeah. at it, and look at it. <laughs> we just put 10.5 million today 
into Pennsylvania. But look at it seventy million in other states. I mean, I'm, this thing is. You asked serious. earlier about Donald Trump and the money, and you did the you know a million dollars, one point three million in his account as as of the end of May, forty two in her account. Donald Trump is looking at this and he's going, so let me get this. I've spent $55 million over the last year. I bested 16 mm -hmm. Republicans, all right? Uh, I'm now the nominee. And I've had the worst possible six weeks any Republican, right. any candidate in the history of this country right. has ever had. And the latest poll has me down by seven. Right. Where is there a problem for me? Exactly. Yeah, it's a problem for us. Thank you, panel. Yeah. All right, time for new rules. Just once, an Olympic mascot shouldn't make me wonder if my weed has been spiked with angel dust. <laughs> Meet the Rio Olympics' Vincius and Tom, or as I call them, flashback and bad trip. <laughs> Although last time in London was even worse. Look at these two. You have to go all the way back to Montreal in 76 to find a mascot that wasn't scary, because who doesn't love a big hairy beaver? <laughs> Neural, now that America has flown its flags at half-staff more than any time in our history, let's change our policy to always keep our flags at half-staff and only raise them when something awesome happens, like Bieber falling in a hole. <laughs> Neural, everyone must join me in congratulating Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston on their newfound romantic... What's that? It's, it's over. <laughs> Neural, now that Charlie Sheen has joined Bristol Palin as celebrities advocating for safe sex, how about we find a condom advocate who's actually used one? <laughs> Neural, we don't need to see Donald Trump's tax returns. We need to unsee this picture of him and his daughter. Here's how you know your pose is too creepy. If it makes a parrot vomit. <laughs> and finally, new rule, since President Obama is constantly being accused of going on an apology tour, he should just go on one. <laughs> For two reasons. It will drive Republicans nuts, especially if he wears the turban. And more importantly, to a world that has been trembling over the prospect of us electing Donald Trump, it would be a great way to send the message, America, we're back on our meds. <laughs> so, uh, it's true, the president is coming to the last six months of his term, which after seven and a half years in office must seem like those final few months of high school. Remember that, when you got senioritis? <laughs> One of those rare intervals in life when, but I always wanted to, meets up with, why the hell not? <laughs> and as president, that means doing some things just for fun now that it's the end, like, I don't know, legalize pot. <laughs> uh, put Beyonce on the nickel. <laughs> Invite RuPaul to take a transgender leak in the Rose Garden. Did I mention legalized pot? <laughs> or at least move it to the schedule, move it off the schedule one drug list and move it on to the you can buy it at Costco drug list. 
or do something really crazy and come on this show. And then, as your final act, go on that apology world tour. <laughs> Why not? Our government has already apologized internally for Indian genocide, to victims of Japanese internment and the Tuskegee experiments, and of course for the slave trade, that horrible period when it was legal to trade a black man for another black man without a first-round draft choice. <laughs> Go ahead. Give the white people permission to laugh. Go ahead. Give, give, give permission. Say the black folks are laughing. You. We're, la we're laughing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> A dozen presidents were slaveholders, and Thomas Jefferson wasn't just holding them. Oh, America did some bad shit. For much of our history, America acted like a nasty drunk. It's true. And now we should do what AA tells recovering drunks they should do. Make a list of people you hurt and go around and apologize to them. Because drunks get drunk and do drunk-ass things. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. got so high, he fell asleep in the wrong house. <laughs> Mel Gibson called a cop sugar tits. <laughs> Britney Spears shaved her head. David Hasselhoff, remember? Starred in Baywatch. <laughs> Terrible stuff. But going around... <laughs> but going around and apologizing does help. So... Isn't it time America was at least as enlightened as Earl? <laughs> Remember my name is Earl? Well, my name is Sam. And first on my apology list is Vietnam. Sorry, Vietnam. America wanted to fight communism in the 60s, but fighting it over here might have made a mess, so we used your country. Sorry. And sorry, Mexico, for taking half your country just because we could. And a big sorry to Iraq, our eternal drunken booty call. <laughs> when we invaded, you knew it wasn't really you we were mad at. We were pretty badly hooked on oil at the time, and it made us do some crazy things. Sorry. And sorry to all the countries where we toppled the government and installed some stooge. Guatemala, the Congo, Iran, the Dominican Republic, Brazil, Chile, not to mention all the places where we supported dictators because, well, we were afraid of our own feelings. And Stalin. <laughs> I wish there was some way we could make it up to you. Is there someone we could bomb? No, 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 what am I saying, bombing? That's the old us. Look, Trump's campaign, that's the last dying gasp of the old America. America's inner asshole. The macho screaming man baby. But we're not that guy anymore. We elected a thoughtful black president and now a woman. We've come a long way. If you don't believe me, just remember this. LBJ used to shit with the door open. <laughs>
Obama has to go outside just to smoke. <laughs> All right. It's the first week of summer. You know what that means. Time to plug my annual New Year's Eve gig <laughs> in Honolulu <laughs> at the Blaisdell on New Year's night at the Maui Art Center. And Maui, I want to thank Paul Magala, Betsy Woodruff, Michael Steele, Larry Wilmore, and shoot to Scott Martinez. Join us now for overtime on YouTube. Okay. Catch all new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 10 or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more information, log on to HBO.com.